G'day, and welcome back to Convergently Speaking. episode I've got for you today is one I've been sitting on for a while, which is code for we've had it there to edit and uh, it's finally been edited and is ready for your listening pleasure. This episode is actually me being interviewed by my friend Neville, who featured in episode 26 of the podcast. And the context is that Neville wanted to have a bit of a chat with me about business for a, a business group that, that he runs. However, I think Neville did a really good job at asking a few really relevant and useful questions. So on it, we talk about a whole range of topics, including my counseling practice and how I approach things, especially the way in which I incorporate personality psychology into, into my practice. He actually asked me about podcasting and why I started it and how and and that kind of thing. And one thing I was really happy to have included was a bit of a spiel on the theory of spiral dynamics. This is something I've wanted to do an episode on for a while and I suppose wanting to be extra prepared and all that, I've put it off and I haven't pulled it together. And so that was really fun and I like to think it's a fairly short and crisp introduction to spiral dynamics, which is a a really powerful theory for understanding worldviews. So I suppose this is a bit more of an introduction to who I am and what I'm about, which isn't entirely new to the podcast feed, uh, but wanted to put it out there. And especially because that spiral dynamics piece is there, Zoom ahead if that's something you'd like to learn more about. And uh, it's definitely something I'm going to circle back to in the future. I'd love to get someone with an expertise on on the model um, or maybe become an expert myself. So thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy this episode of myself done by my friend and fellow counsellor, Neville Starrick. Well, welcome to the Counselling Therapists in Business group, and I'm interviewing Daniel Anir from Daniel Anir Coaching, and uh, we're just going to have a bit of a chat today and find out a little bit more about where he's from and what he's up to. Now, Daniel's a trained counsellor with almost 20 years in the helping professions. He's got a particular interest in personality psychology and is the creator of the Convergently Speaking podcast. In addition, he is a husband of one and a father of three. So, welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you as well. Um, just to tell us a little bit about how you ended up moving into the counselling space. I mean, you've done lots of things. So how, do, how your, your journey has been quite varied. My journey has been varied, um, but book-ended my journey has been counselling. So I actually spent uh, a year, the first year out of school, I did a little bit of a youth youth leadership thing in the church I was involved in. And one of my goals in that was actually to go and study counselling. 
Okay. So the next year I uh, tootled off and went and started studying counselling, mm-hmm. uh, little knowing what I know now that the brain's not fully developed at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a bit of a shock to the system. I, I thrived in the counselling, uh, but some of the other non-counselling topics sort of, um, yeah, were challenging. I, don't, I just moved out of home. I was just trying to pay my bills. So, But, yeah, so that that's sort of the the first moment that I studied counselling. And, and I wanted to get into that after um, some of my own experiences that I had in year 11, pretty much year 11, year 12, when my parents got separated and starting to understand the ways in which stress impacts the, you know, I was a typical Aussie skater that, you know, yeah, rode a skateboard, listened to heavy metal and punk music and, and, you know, didn't understand the emotional component to, to the human person, I suppose, and to myself. And so that gave me a bit of a passion because I had some breakthroughs. I had a few wins, um, and I started to realize, oh, there is, you know, emotional stuff that happens. And also there's, there's ways of moving through it. Mm. Uh, I spent the better part of my 20s essentially doing informal lay counseling. I found myself in roles where I was able to, to work with people to help them um, in, a, in a variety of different ways. And so even then I was conscious that I was sort of scratching that itch. Mm. Um, but yeah, to keep a long story short, uh, things changed and life evolved and I got married and, um, ended up going back and formally studying counseling. Mm -hmm. I actually studied mental health first and was doing some work in the disability sector and, and I've done some work in the mental health sector and I've done some work teaching mental health so for Aussies it's you know cert for a mental health mm-hmm. uh, and I actually did financial counseling which I was sort of dancing around the edges I think I probably had a bit of a fear it's like mm-hmm. oh this has been my dream for so long you know and I, to just directly go into what I wanted to do um, it took me a, a few steps I suppose yeah and and it's it's funny how things kind of build one after the other it's it's like you've got a, this wide range of experience so when did you decide to uh move this into your own business side of things it's a good question so i always imagined if i did counseling like i always like visualized pictured you know sitting in a counseling space and actually consulting with people rather than you know, more of a traditional social work role or something like that. Um, So that was always my plan. Um, It became more and more viable. Um, I had a few, I've always worked in the community services sector. Well, not always, for about 10 years now. And uh, it's just a very unstable sector for anyone that knows it. It's often casual work. And Mm. so that kind of pushed me to say, right, do, do, do more, do things which allow me to be more autonomous. Um, and the house I'm living in, I've got an office built here now, which I'm sitting in now. And that was really the tipping point. Um, I did see some clients prior, but it was like either go in for a lease and rent and do the whole hog. And I would have had to kind of give up my day job and jump in because I would have needed that income. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, instead I've got the home office slowly slowly developed it through that method Mm. um yeah okay 
Now, one of the things that, that you've gotten into as part of your business venture, or actually maybe it's not, um, you've gotten into podcasting. As you've gone into po podcasting, what, what have you found that's been a real benefit to it? And what are some of the challenges around doing podcasting? I feel like for the one of the first times for me personally, I have a creative outlet. Mm -hmm. I've never really conceptualized myself as a creative person. Um, that's not been my pursuit. Um, but so I wasn't looking for that necessarily, but as I've gone through the journey, I've realized, yeah, well, this is creative. And, uh, although I'm not coming up with heaps of unique content, I feel mm. like I'm really like a synthesizer where I just pull, mm. um, it is still creative. Mm. And so that's been really good. Another benefit, um, is, uh, just the joy of hearing from people when they, they listen and they benefit mm. from what I've been able to ascertain. I have uh, a few true fans and probably for a lot of people, it's not relevant or interesting. Mm. Uh, but, but for those that it's right and good, it's really right and good in that moment. Uh, and that's been really beneficial. I think definitely for people that struggle with um, fitting in, feeling a bit, like the odd one out or have some, let's say stuckness in their life and stuff. It's been really, so that's been a really great benefit. And I've had a few uh, clients now come into my counseling practice who are counseling and coaching. I'm doing uh, practice who, uh, yeah, really listen and have gone, Oh, you said this in this podcast or you interviewed this person and you know, they've really internalized some of that, which is of course why, Mm. A big part of why we do this and why we, especially why I interview people mm. as much fun as it is, it's, you know, the reason I record it, I should say. Um, so that's been another really big benefit. And, and, and I hoped it would naturally feed in as a marketing tool for my clients to build up rapport and respect with, with people. And, you know, I, I like to really work with people in times of transition so, you know, maybe they listen to the podcast because it's interesting, but they get to a point in their life where they're going through some sort of a transition. And they're like, oh, that, that Dan guy seemed all right. I'll, um, and it has worked that way. So I've had a friend who's benefited from uh, seeing me mm -hmm. and he's been giving people um, like, you know, my business card or a link to my podcast and they have a listen and then they'll end up booking in. Uh, I'm sure some, I'm sure plenty don't, but some go, yeah, this is cool. So that's been a really good benefit. Um, okay. Okay. So it's a really good benefit. Um, it's, is it, um, I mean, we're doing an interview here that's videoed. Um, mm. How does it compare when you, when you don't actually see the people that you're talking with on, on the radio show type of thing? What, what's that like? Um, so obviously I do solo episodes, which means I'm just looking at a computer and talking to a computer. Um, I'm okay with it because I am, quite conceptual mm -hmm. quite in my head uh it has the pluses and minuses but so actually there's less visual sensory data to um interrupt my train of thought and to focus on so mm -hmm. sometimes i close my eyes when i'm like trying to make a point i'm just trying to think through i actually even close my eyes so, um, cause I almost started a YouTube channel and I put it out on my Facebook and what should I do? And, you know, there's just got some good discussion and, uh, went to podcasts. And I can't actually imagine like, like it's just so much better. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel now for the podcast, uh, but yeah, podcast is definitely my, 
primary medium. I didn't speak to some of the challenges either. Um, I think the one of the challenges is one I'm not having to deal with too much, thanks to my very uh, talented and generous wife in that I record the content and she actually edits it. Um, I think if the editing landed on me, I would get caught up like it would just be because I'm, I am a bit more like living in the theoretical world and I'm, I'm still here. I'm still present, but that's sort of my bias and I'm not so good with like the technical skills and that. So that's, that's a challenge for anyone running a podcast is that you've got to actually wear a number of hats and you've got, if you're doing it on your own or you're doing it with little budget, you've got to wear a number of hats and you've got to, um, you know, have a number of skills. Uh, so I had a friend help me get my audio mic and all that set up because mm -hmm. I didn't know about that. Luckily I had a friend who's mm. very knowledgeable. So it can be a bit of a, a process to get set up started. And there's a lot of um, excuses that you can find to, to delay it. Um, where really these days you can just get uh, an app on your phone and hit record and you've got a pretty reasonable quality um, starting point at that at that point, and you can put it out to all the channels literally straight from the app. So oh. you can set up a podcast in ten minutes, you know. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah. And I guess it's the the question is is like what what quality did you want to produce? And so that would be where uh, you would the investment would come in. Do I want something mm. that's really high quality? Do I get equipment? Do I get um, particular applications, um, mm. editing software, all that kind of stuff. You can always bring that in later. And that's what got me going is this constant message from people that are more entrepreneurial and sort of more inclined to just kick goals on the regular to you just give it a go. You just give it a start. And this, this idea that oh, everyone looks back on their very first podcast and cringes, you know, and, and I don't really cringe. It's like, Oh yeah, well, I've already done some lecturing. I'd already done some stuff there. So in a sense, I'd already done my first episode before I ever actually put it up. Um, but it's like, you just course correct. And that's not my natural bent. That's something I've learned, you know, course correct. Realize, like for a while there, I didn't have any music. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to find something and paid a little bit of money to actually get the rights to it. And it was like, oh, well, the first few episodes have no music. Big deal, okay. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the colour of my my artwork changed. and But, you know, I tried not to be a perfectionist. These things do evolve. So. That's, right. that's right. And that's the thing. Like, you can never know until you're in it exactly the vibe and exactly the way it will go. It doesn't matter how well you prepare. Mm -hmm. Once you get feedback from people as well. So. That too that helps too and it sounds like you, you've got um some some feedback that's coming in that's been really quite useful in helping you to define your direction mm. yeah i am getting some yeah I, i'd like to get better channels for feedback online like i do say to people they can contact me through whatever but but most of my feedback's been in person at this point yep okay Cool. What kind of topics do you like to explore on your podcast? You've kind of mentioned some stuff around your personal personality psychology and self-development. Uh, does it go beyond that? Yeah, it does. So I'm really, really interested in personality psychology, but the reason that I'm interested in it is because I see personality tools and, and, and other tools as uh as tools to achieve what 
I'm really passionate about achieving, uh, both personally and with my clients, and that is to bring uh, the unconscious content, the unconscious stuff that's running in the background and driving us all uh, into our conscious awareness so that we can actually deal with it and work through it. You know, we, we don't know, but neuroscientists think it's around 90% of, of our, our brain that's actually kind of like unconscious now. Maybe we'll understand better, but exactly. But, 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 but it makes the point that most of our brain, uh, most of the material there is not conscious to us. You know, you get in your car and you drive somewhere you've been a thousand times before. And depending on the day, you might arrive there barely remembering that you, how you went there, you're lost in thought and you're on autopilot. So that's the unconscious or the subconscious at play. Um, but then there's all this other stuff that we learn in childhood that's running there in the background mm. and using up RAM to keep the metaphor going. And uh, so I'm really passionate about tools that help bring that stuff into the conscious to say, oh, the reason I react to my partner when they do this or that is because, you know, my mum or dad did this and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, it's generally self-development focused. So I interview people and often we talk about personality psychology, but not necessarily and it's not a requirement. Yep, yep. I don't want to be a, a Myers-Briggs or an Enneagram podcast. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm against that, but I'd be broader, you know, I'm just broader than that. And the other one in the background that I haven't actually talked about publicly i don't think on the podcast yet is spiral dynamics or integral theory so in my mind they're the three main theories that undergird my practice and my podcast okay we might come back to spiral dynamics if we have time but that that's that's interesting that that those those things kind of seem to be the themes that are running through the the podcasting that you're doing and how that seems to integrate with the way that you work with your clients as well Yes. You recently did a podcast on the topic of personal development and relationships. Uh, what was it that inspired you to talk about that topic? That's a great question. Was I love that topic. It's very, you know, I, when I recorded that one, I posted it on my personal Facebook page as well. And I, I don't want to nag people on my personal page, but I thought, oh, this is just so important because I'm seeing a pattern uh, professionally, but also personally that, you know, around midlife, well, there's a, there's a couple of patterns I'm saying. The first pattern is that I see a pattern where one person in a partnership starts to do some healing or self-development work and it creates, um, it can create a number of things, but like tension or confusion or, or, or for the other party, bewilderment. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Disequilibrium. <laughs> Equilib- that's right, exactly. Disequilibrium, exactly. Um, but, but, but the sort of the, 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 the pattern within the pattern is that it's almost always women that I'm, I'm seeing this with. Mm-hmm. So the women that take those courageous steps to, to, to grow, mm-hmm. to look at their pain, mm-hmm. to, um, often develop more assertiveness, develop their voice, develop their identity and, you know, Often as well, I mean, if women don't have kids, then I think this can happen. But often for the women that have kids, once the kids get a bit older and they're a little bit more uh, independent, Mm -hmm. 
they've yep. got a bit more time, a bit more luxury of, you know, mm. not ca chaos all around them to actually start to, to go there. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm very naturally inclined towards growth and development and change myself. And so I've always felt an, an empathy and a connection to yep. and, a, and a, a desire to bolster up people's efforts those women's efforts but what i've actually also come to realize is that or what i've come to feel is a deep empathy for the other partner mm. uh, because you know my relationship counseling often talk about the fact that when we get together we have like an unconscious contract where it's like all right i won't call you out in your stuff and you don't call me out of my stuff and we'll have this you know, not that it's all dysfunctional, but some semi-dysfunctional dance and interaction. Um, and then one, one person starts changing, they start breaking this contract. Yep. Uh, it's like the rug's been pulled out from, from under the other partner. And, and I feel actually a lot of empathy for that person because I don't think it's an obligation that you do self-development and growth. I think it's, it's valid for a person to say, uh, this is how I want to live my life. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, so it's easy to say, oh, the person that's doing the growth, or they're the one that's in the right. And, you know, the, the, the man's just like, you know, whatever, like he's unemotionally connected and just always stays in, in his rut and all this. I'm like, well, you know. So my topic podcast was really about bringing along your partner for the journey mm. and that's sort of um a lot of what i spoke to yeah and 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 I mean, you touch on a, a really interesting point there because i mean in some of the relationship work that i do as well it's it's kind of like um partners have got patterns that they have bought into um whether they realize it or not and when circumstances change or one partner grows or this that and the other that contract suddenly you 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 find that you're working really, really hard to keep it, but it's not possible to do so anymore. And yes. A huge amounts of conflict around like, why is our relationship not the way that it used to be? Yes. Yes. So yeah. I, I totally hear that. And, uh, and then lots of blaming can go on. It's like, you're doing things differently. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So that, that sounds like it, it would, it would be a really worthwhile uh, topics to continue to explore. Do you see that there might be some spin-offs from a, from the podcast that you've already done? Or yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, myself and my wife are actually really keen to explore it together more, and whether we can collaborate on some. I don't know yet, but you know, some kind of a product or some kind of a, a, a resource or a tool mm. to to go further with that because. Um, it's something, I mean, we haven't, you know, like we don't fit that mold, but there was definitely a sense that I was, I was getting along on my way and uh, I felt like I was growing more than my wife mm. and, um, and just some of our journey because uh, I don't feel that's the case now. And, but, but there was some communication around that and, you know, so I'd like, like to dig that, dig into that more and then sort of try and turn that into a product because uh, we're very lucky. We're not lucky. I mean, I think we are proactive, but we're very, you know, in a very good position where it has brought us together rather than pushing us apart. And it's not a given that growth will bring people together. Um, so. Yeah. 
and that that's an important thing to realize is that uh the the growth the growth certainly changes things and it's not always welcome mm-hmm. so right. it may be pushed in a way as well that's that's not encouraging <laughs> yes yes mm. and of course if you start growing and you start changing behaviors yeah it can cause defensiveness or or um or offense in the partner yep like oh you've always um you've always sort of managed our money but now i'd like to have a go at doing that and develop my own money skills or whatever and yep. you know you say, well wasn't i doing it well enough and you know and these kind of defensive things where it's not actually about the other person yes um but you know we so, all get defensive so yeah yeah it's mm. yes i totally hear that now you've mentioned a couple of times now already about this thing about personality psychology mm-hmm. uh, what is that so personality psychology is really the name that we give for uh, the psychology of people and how how their personalities work, how their personalities operate. So <laughs> there's probably three main, or I should say like the three most used, most adopted system would be the big five personality, the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I specialize in Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Okay. Yep. So I can give you a very quick overview of the two. The, the first one, Myers-Briggs, is a personality system that's built on Carl Jung's work. So Carl Jung was a psychoanalyst or psychiatrist uh, in the 19th century. And he developed some theories around typology, which then formed the basis for Myers-Briggs and and the main thing that we know from Myers-Briggs in the common consciousness is introvert versus extrovert you know pretty much anyone these days has some idea of what that means but in Myers-Briggs there's actually four of these dichotomies so introvert extrovert is one dichotomy and there's three others mm-hmm. uh, and so those variations end up forming 16 personality types okay mm-hmm. um and then, and so that's good for understanding what you're good at, understanding how you make decisions, understanding how you learn, mm-hmm. uh, some of that type of stuff. And people use it a lot in business and, and, and uh, can use it quite pragmatically. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Enneagram is more, so the Enneagram is nine different personality types. And that's more about uh, understanding our unconscious patterns. So maybe you see a, theme here you know that the wiring the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that's making us do or influencing us to do what we do mm-hmm. so for every one of the nine personality types in the enneagram this there's sort of a a story and a belief system that's that's going on and and the suggestion is that in early life uh these are the beliefs and stories that we adopted to to cope to feel love to feel cared for and accepted as 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 babies and kids um you know this this strategy out of the nine options i have is the one that seems to be the most effective to to receive that nurturing care and all that from our parents but then as we get older we don't necessarily need to keep employing those same strategies anymore um and they they can become a liability so once again bringing that into the conscious and knowing it's there we can't 
I don't believe we can fundamentally ever change our personality, but we can work with it. It can evolve um, and it can become a much healthier expression of what, or what it once was. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs and the big five, the big five is that the ocean, the ocean. That's ocean. Yeah. 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 I remember encountering that a number of years ago and it's, yeah. it's that one I don't hear about as much. But you hear about it in mainstream psychology because it's the one that's considered to have the most scientific uh, validity, is most empirical. Uh, that may or may not be true. I think there's more science to Myers Briggs than what people realise. Mm. Uh, I think there is less with the Enneagram. How do you use personality psychology to serve your clients? Yes, yeah, good question because um, I. I have a bias towards this and, and so I'm very aware yep. that I've got this agenda that's driven by an interest. And so I try and keep that at bay. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also now just acknowledging more and more that it isn't just me. Like I've had numbers of clients now that have jumped in on and taken with, with their two hands. And so as I do work with them, I tend to pick up on bits and pieces of their personality, even if I'm not really meaning to. And uh, as appropriate, I might mention a little piece of this or that. And sometimes I pretty much work out the whole type or maybe I mention, you know, so kind of just naturally. So sometimes it becomes a theme within the, within Mm. the, um, the therapy. And then depending on the person, they might, connect with that they might resonate with that and then what they can do is they can just get on the internet and they can learn more and go deeper uh for free Mm -hmm. Um, and of course there's programs you can buy and books you can read but um now some might see that as a threat into one's practice but for me i don't because number one i'm there primarily to help people grow but number two the the knowledge needs to be implemented Mm. You know, they can gain the knowledge, but we're always stuck within our own world, our own. I mean, I've learned about myself and use these uh, to grow a lot, but it's like years of painstaking work to go, oh, that's what's happening. And I was blind to it. And yep. um, But yeah, so the way I'm incorporating it, it is, it's, it's an empowering tool to be able to give people that they can go off and, you know, have people come back and go, Oh, I bought this thing about the personality and I read it and I, and I got this, Hmm. you know, and then they bring it as fresh fodder. Um, And then it creates also a common language. Very much. I had someone recently who started to use some of the more technical language Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, checking in with me and it's like, Oh yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Like we're on the same page and it's, it's a shortcut. Hmm. and for, sorry to specifically answer your question in terms of relationships are mm-hmm. uh, very very powerful because so much of relationship breakdown and tension is just miscommunication mm-hmm. and so i can help people through personality and mostly i've been using myers-briggs mm-hmm. uh go well you're an introvert and you're an extrovert although i say less accusatory than that but you know like this is this is here and explain it and then they kind of go often they'll just be like, whoa, you know, um, and, and I can go into it more. But, yeah, just finding those differences, mm. um, so powerful, so, so powerful. 
Yeah, I think a, a lot of clients, particularly in a relationship context, they assume that everybody around them is exactly the same as them. And then they get confronted with, uh, hang on, your behavior doesn't make any sense to me at all. And the, the lovely thing that I'm hearing you say about the personality stuff is that uh, you actually have some language to talk about those differences that's non-accusatory. That's kind of saying, as I, I prefer to move this way and you prefer to move that way. And that's part of the reason why we're having conflict is that we're approaching it from different places, but neither of them are wrong. Yes. And, and not only part of the reason why we're having conflict, but once you get through that, it's like, oh, that's part of the reason why we were attracted to each other. And that's part of the reason why at a pragmatic level, we can actually be quite um, productive and functional. And, and that's the reason why we actually can that, well, that's a, like a gift to keep growing. And, you know, myself and my wife have got to the point where it's like, yeah, I'll record the podcast and you can uh, edit the podcast. And I felt like that was the grunt work, mm. uh, but she quite enjoys the process. Mm. Um, and she can go on a podcast. She's not one of these people that just doesn't want to speak publicly um but as we've looked at our strengths and our weaknesses it's it's it gives permission you know yeah. it's, it's very permission giving mm. and uh and then you can actually flip the script to actually see it as a positive and uh like redeem those conflict tension mm. points mm. It doesn't mean they'll go away um but yeah it definitely gives people more grace for one another when they realize why they do yeah. what they do Grace, yes, it's a big theme, big theme. Now, you've done some pretty specific training in the area of Myers-Briggs, is that correct? Or? I did, yeah. So I, I'm a certified personality profiler. Uh, I studied through Personality Hacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, stumbled across their podcast, listened to a few hundred episodes of that, <laughs> then bought some of their content and eventually went and did their profiler training, which is uh, a very in-depth training and finished up in LA doing a, a live event in LA with them um, at the end of my training. So yeah, I'm specifically trained with them mm-hmm. uh, and I've, I've gone further than oh, I'm doing some other training at the moment on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping to do some training on Enneagram as well. I've actually known the Enneagram for much longer, maybe 15 years or so. Yep. Um, but yeah, would like to also formally pursue some of that. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So if people wanted to work with you or are interested in finding out a little bit more, how would they, how would they find you? Sure. Yeah. Well, they can contact me through Facebook, Daniel Lanier coaching. I actually just changed it to Daniel Lanier coaching and counseling, um, or just send me an email. You'll put it in the thing. Put it at yeah. The- so. Put it in the end, but yeah, so they can just send me an email. Um, my website's about uh, half built, so that's coming. It's daniellanier.com. But yep, you're more than happy to chat. And um, you know, I offer a free discovery call as well, which is pretty much a 20 minute, 15, 20 minute chat, uh, no obligation chat, which it gives us both an opportunity to see if we might be a good fit. Yep, uh, or what mm, I yeah. offer it's so incredibly important when you're doing personal development and counseling work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the first one to admit I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily the person for everyone. I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, Hmm. Yeah. So it sometimes takes a few tries to find the right, 
you know, the right person to connect with and, and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And for those people who are local to Adelaide, uh, Dan is based in Adelaide, so you might actually be able to do some face-to-face -face work if you really wanted to do that. So Yes, I've got a consulting office just there, <laughs> um, some chairs and stuff. So I can do online, but I can certainly do face-to-face. -face. I've got a self-contained like building um, on my home property. Yep. No, that sounds that sounds really good. Now there was something else that we were thinking about going back to, and I've actually lost it for for the. Oh, minute. you're thinking about going back to spiral dynamics. That's right. Your... Yes, spiral yeah. dynamics. Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, oh, I can say a few words about it. I won't go like super deep into it because it's a super deep thing. Yeah. Um, but in short, spiral dynamics or the Graves model or integral theory or quite literally dozens of names. Is um, is a system that was rather than some of the other uh, personality psychology systems, which have an element of being created. Mm. Um, I mean, I think they stumbled across innate truths, but kind of created. Spiral dynamics actually came out of um, Claire Graves' work. Claire Graves was a sociologist, and he studied uh, worldviews of different people groups to ascertain common worldviews or paradigms that well, common like you know the worldviews or paradigms that people go through in life okay. and so um the basic idea of it is that every person when they're born uh needs to go through one framework or one way of seeing the world before they move on to the next one and uh I won't, I won't list them all, but there's, I don't even know how many, about seven or something at this point. Um, so individuals go through these different worldviews and ways of seeing the world, but then also societies and institutions and stuff. So to give you a bit of a concrete example of what I'm talking about, you know, in the middle of the system, in the middle of the, the steps, you have like pre-modern, then you have modern, mm -hmm. then you have post-modern. And so all three of those are a different step or stage in, let's say, the human evolution of, or the human psyche. Mm. So I'm very, very interested in it because it gives me a framework, it gives us a framework for understanding why people might think the way they do, why people might have the beliefs and the perspectives and the paradigms the way they do. You can look at politics through this lens. So uh, one party might tend to be uh, modern. Mm -hmm. Another party might tend to be postmodern. Um, and, and it all comes back again to the, the convergently thing, convergently speaking thing, which is after postmodern comes a level they called integral mm -hmm. or yellow is the colour because they give colours to them all. And the integral... Um, meme, this is the technical idea, the integral meme or the integral uh, level is all about integration. So it's the first one of the series where a person who's in that space and that worldview can actually say, I see the validity, I see the benefit in all of the preceding worldviews. Mm -hmm. uh, they're necessary. Uh, neither is better than another. And so it's a it's a it's an including and then transcending okay. um, way of seeing the world. Whereas prior to that, 
um, you know, you go from uh, orange to green mm-hmm. and you tend to, when you're in green, think that you're better than orange. And when you come from, when you get to orange from blue, you tend to think, you know, there's a adversarial and some ego and, you know, and, but, but once, it, once the psyche kind of gets to yellow, not, I mean, it's, no one's perfect, but there's a general ability to say, I see the benefit in blue. I see the benefit in orange. I see the benefit in green. Mm-hmm. I see the benefit of red, which is earlier on. We need that. And so rather than trying to get everyone to the same point, it's about helping every step and every expression of worldview be the healthiest expression of that particular particular worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot. I hope that wasn't too, too just, much. Uh, I'm just wondering if that aligns at all with some of the, some of the theories out there around spiritual development. Uh, it sounds like there are some similarities with James Fowler's. I think I haven't compared them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm loosely familiar. And yes, there definitely seems to be some crossover with other developmental systems in general, like even um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. So, so, the, so the guy that created integral theory and, and the guy that's probably the, been the biggest voice uh, for these types of things, because as I say, there's a few different versions, is um, Ken Wilber. And he actually wrote a book called Integral Psychology where he goes through more than 100 I think it's not lots over a hundred, but yeah, around a hundred uh, developmental systems. Wow, which is mind-boggling. Like I have the book, I haven't read through it all, but yeah, it's it's yeah. So and he, but he, what he's trying to do is he's tried to learn them all and look at them all and sort of map them together. Um, and he's just like, there's just so many commonalities, you know, different people discovering the same yep. uh, same inherent truths. Yep, and it's the convergence, you know, it's convergence. Yeah different perspective from a different angle but yes. it can appear at times that it's something different but actually it's a variation of the same yeah yeah that's a good way to say it. variation of the same because they're not exactly the same um, they all have their emphasis that's uh important it sounds like that whole analogy of the diamond depending upon which facet you're looking at it depends upon what you see that's right that's right exactly yeah and so that's a lot of my 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 operating in general you know i have a couple come in I have a, a single person come in who's talking about other people in their life and I'm sort of looking for like, what's your view of the diamond? And I'm trying to hear what the other party's view might be. Yep. What their bias and what their um, bias can sound negative, you know, just what their vantage point is. I talk, I talk about defaults, what they default yeah. needs to be. And uh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that can be a very useful non-adversarial type of thing. It's like, mm. yeah, it's a good word. Hmm. So, yeah, so you, you've got lots of things that inform your practice there and around your personality and stuff like that, that, that helps you to guide your conversation, the work that you do. So, yes. Um, what's, if you, if you're able to do so, what would you, can you describe a really big win that you had with client work? <laughs> I love it when clients become hungry. And they start when they gain their own uh, inertia, momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they, you know, I lent one of my personality psychology books to someone the other day and they're meeting with me and they're saying, oh, and then this morning I was reading through the book and yesterday I was sitting there and 
my wife was talking to me and I was reading and I'm thinking, Oh, you're reading that book. You know, you're, you're hungry, you know, because not many people have got the money to sit there and do all their, uh, you know, personal development, uh, with a therapist paying, you know, per hour. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't want them to become dependent on me. I want to equip them and it sounds almost like father-like, but send them into the world, you know, like I want people to take that stuff on for themselves. Yep. Um, which is a, which is a, a, um, a change and a shift from me as a 20 year old mm. with high empathy and uh, a lot of naivety who was trying to rescue people all the time. Mm. Yep. Uh, apart from burning out, I realized, well, this isn't effective. Mm. this isn't working no. this, is, I, this isn't a, an effect that can multiply whereas if i can record a podcast and so many people listen and go oh yeah person and then they can actually run run on their own that that's um really satisfying mm. cool cool well uh, can we wrap it up here that yeah be- yeah sure yeah no that was really good been great talking with you daniel and uh really appreciate you making the time and hearing about your journey and about what it is that you do in your practice um i wish you a whole lot of success as you continue